Welcome to the Be Better Podcast with Lee Barrison. True stories from Bakersfield's business owners and entrepreneurs. Lee is a local real estate broker that sold over 1,700 houses in almost 18 years. He is a husband, father, owner, and lead coach of Infinity Real Estate Services. And now it's time for the Be Better Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Lee Barrison with the Be Better Podcast. And I, I you know, I, I would probably be lying to you guys if I told you this is episode number 17, because I, to be honest with you, I've been so freaking busy. I really haven't had much time to have a guest come in. I haven't really had a time to even, you know, post a podcast, more or less a post on Facebook or Instagram lately because just been busy. And so therefore I could be lying to you if this is podcast 17, but I think it is. And if it's not, shoot me. I don't care guys, but you know what we're here for, uh, you know, what we're here for, what our purpose is uh, with the Be Better podcast. But our, our purpose, guys, is to be better in all areas of your life. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, okay, or if you're thinking about starting a business, this is the podcast that you guys want to listen to. We reach out to local only, only local business owners, uh, entrepreneurs, and we try to get the real talk. We try to get the real information to give to you so that way you can benefit from it and perhaps it might give a good different spin of what you think entrepreneurship has to offer, right? We want you to be better in your business. We want you to be better families. We want you to be better husbands, better wives, better salespeople, better entrepreneurs, but more importantly, better in your health, better spiritually, better in all areas of your life. And that's exactly why we call this, guys, the Be Better Podcast. And with no further ado, we're two minutes into this and I wanna get started because I'm excited about having a very, very special guest that reached out to me um, this week. And he's like, dude, get me on the podcast right away. Um, and again, I've known this guy for a long time. I tend to think of him as a kid because when I met him, I think he's about 10 years old. Now he's 33. <clears throat> and it's been exciting and it's been a lot of fun to watch him grow. So with no further ado, I want to introduce the one, the only Mr. Ryan Ibarra. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy yeah. to be here. Glad to have you here, yeah. bro. So um, real quick, Ryan, we're going to get this interview started. And I, I think this one's going to be a good one. I think it's going to strike a chord for a lot of people out there that um, that are in the health industry. Correct. Yeah. Uh, those folks, because everybody wants to be in the health industry, it seems like, right? Uh, yeah. Everyone seems to be opening a gym nowadays or mm -hmm. doing some kind of personal training on the side at the parks, in their houses. I think it's a it's a market where where people can easily access it and you can do it from almost with nothing. So I see a lot more competition now coming into the field for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny, I was on uh, Instagram just I think yesterday, sitting on the couch and it, every other post was like, like their their uh, their handler was like, you know, Gen Fit mm -hmm. or everybody's like a fitness pro all of a sudden. Is that all is of that a true? sudden? Yeah, yeah. And, and you and it's good, though. I mean, the more competition, the better. And I think I think the one thing that's really good is it, it makes us have to be better. Mm -hmm. I feel like the gym industry at one point was allowed to kind of get away with things that maybe weren't right and kind of half asked it. Mm -hmm. And I think now more people are catching on to what truly good fitness is and quality coaching is. And I see, you know, the more people that come in the industry, it's better because the awareness comes up as well. Mm. So I, I actually like the competition. 
Um, and I feel like I'm starting to see the more global gyms that have been around for years kind of start to panic on what to do next. And that's always kind of nice being a small business. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah for sure. So real quick, Ryan, let's, let's, let's talk about your fit, fitness business. Okay. So it's, it's back-to-back fitness. Yeah, back-to-back sports complex. Okay. Uh, I've been in business. I've owned it for three years. Um, for two years before this, we were just CrossFit, so we're known as back-to-back CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, we recently moved into a 30,000-square-foot facility, um, and we went away from just CrossFit. We are CrossFit still at heart, but now we offer a boot camp. We offer a TRX class. We have free weights. We have 60 yards in turf. We have Olympic lifting platforms. We have spin classes, we have hot yoga, we do bar, we have massage therapists, we have a cryo center in there, we have meal prep service in there, we have baseball sports nutrition's in there. So we kind of added everything, kind of what fitness would be under one roof. Jeez Louise, so you guys are like the one-stop shop in all aspects of the health industry. So you not only provide the equipment, provide the training and the coaching, but you also provide you know, side gigs like the yoga, the hot yoga, the yep. nutrition yep. stuff. And, and we, and we, uh, and we have recovery. So okay. the crowd center, the massage therapist, if you guys are having issues, they're there to help you and get better. Yeah. Okay, good. So now we're in a 30,000 square foot facility. Correct. And this wasn't your first facility though. This is my third facility in three years. Okay. So we've moved our location three times three times in three years got bigger yeah got bigger you needed more room so tell me more about that like being that you guys started off small because would you agree that we all start in the bottom and we work our way up yep yep how big was the first so the first one was four thousand square feet um and the biggest thing about crossfit is we have so many the biggest noise complaints mm. people we play loud music we're dropping weights so our first one we're in a 4,000 square foot facility but we were constantly getting noise complaints from our tenants um, rightfully so we were extremely loud yeah um, and so we kind of had hey we need you guys to move across to another building that was 5,000 square feet um, but at the time it was a good move for us because we actually needed the space yeah and it had two bathrooms and we needed another bathroom crazy yeah. how that you know how Little that is, but it's something that we needed. So we moved over there, uh, and we're there for another year and a half um, before we made the transition into the thirty thousand square foot facility. Yeah. Okay, and so with forty thousand, I'm sorry, thirty thousand square feet. How many customers do you currently have? Right now, we're around eight hundred. So when we moved in there ten months ago, we started around one hundred and forty, hundred and fifty members from our previous location, and in the ten months. We've went from 150, 160 to around 800 members. So in 10 months, correct? You've quadrupled basically your clientele. Exactly. Times four. Yes. That's crazy. It is. What do you What do you blame that on, or why do you think your business grew so quickly? So. so well, I think there. I think the market was missing a huge aspect, and there was everyone was trying to be group fitness, and then and I will go back to that when I started at Body Exchange and how we try to get them to do fo- to focus more on group fitness. But I felt like everyone was trying to go into group fitness. And, and with CrossFit, I kept losing people to, A, I'm tired of CrossFit, my body hurts, or B, I'm burned out of CrossFit. Um, because as people say, you know, I always say this, people say CrossFit's meant for everyone, uh, give or take. 
yeah. right? Give or take. Not everyone really enjoys doing CrossFit. Is it the best way to get in shape the fastest? Heck yeah, yeah. right? But people, some people just don't like to work that hard, right? Yeah. And so we were losing people to other gyms. Some were going off and going to in shape. Some were doing a boot camp that was a little bit less stressful on the body. Some were doing, you know, hot yoga or going to a place and doing spin. So for us, it was how do we retain these members by being able to offer them something where, hey, if I'm tired of doing CrossFit, I can just go to this different class and I'm going to get my same quality of workout, but I'm not going to lose that member on my end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, the, so basically, in, in, in or um, including the uh, a la carte, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, it's it's helped your retention on keeping your clients happy. Yeah, and, and so and so one of the things that we done is we we pretty much have a blanket membership. So our membership covers everything we offer. Mm-hmm. So you're paying one flat price. Yeah, pretty much similar what you're gonna play pay for like a like an in shape membership Mm -hmm. and you're going to have access to all these classes yeah and so we have some people that come in the morning and take a class and then come in the evening and take two classes and so it's just giving them an opportunity to be successful yet have opportunities to try new things as well sure sure so let me ask you this ryan so when you started in a four thousand square foot facility how many employees did you or first have at two you had two employees employees. those two coaches basically two coaches and how did you acquire them as coaches they were friends of mine that I worked out with in the past. Okay. Yeah. That we just kind of done, we did CrossFit together for the last, you know, two years and they came on with me and kind of followed me. Are they still around? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so you started out with two employees. Correct. And within three years, how many employees do you have now? 42. 42 employees. Yeah. Coaches and staff members. Coaches and staff members. Yeah. And so in three years, you freaking exploded on not only uh, you know your clientele, but you've also really exploded on providing more coaches and providing more jobs, more jobs. Yeah, and I and yeah. I think down to the root of what really made me do everything was that one reason mm-hmm. was to you know give people an opportunity to make a little bit of money. For some of them, they that's their job, that's their career. Sure, yeah. For some of them, it's a side gig. I think the other day, going on a side note. I have a, a lady that cleans my gym, right? Super sweet. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm folding towels. It's nine o'clock at night. And, you know, it's a stressful day. And, and, you know, I was kind of down and out. And she comes up to me and she goes, I just want to thank you. And I go, why? And she goes, you giving, me the, you giving me this job allows me to go see my son get married in Michigan in October. And at the end of the day, no matter what you see, what happens, what someone said to you, what someone you know, did to you, that right there made it all seem real again. And then, and it brought back to why I started the business and why I grew it. And that, and people don't understand those little comments are the reason why you wake up in the morning. You're like, let's go do this. I'm ready for today. It's that one comment that someone gives you like that, that appreciates, Hey, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity, a job. It means everything. I love it. It really does. Yeah. So we were talking about this in the kitchen before we got started. Um, And basically, you know, we started talking about how in entrepreneurship, it's not it's not so much about the money anymore, but it's really being a provider for other people. Right. Yeah. And so when you get into this, you know, a lot of people think it's about the money and a lot of people. And it's so funny is if people I hear it all the time, you have enough money, you guys can do that. You have enough money, you can afford it. And if they looked at my bank account, I told them right now, let's swap bank accounts right now. 
I guarantee it, they would not swap bank accounts with me right now. <laughs> and I don't care if they work at McDonald's or Burger yeah, yeah. King, they would not swap bank accounts with me right now. But we're able to write checks and we're able to give people money. And to me, that's the greatest goal and that's the greatest satisfaction for me I love right it, now. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, I, and I know, you know, speaking for myself, I feel the same way, man. I, you know, when I, when I first became a broker or owner of a, of a real estate company, I was thinking, initially I was thinking about the money. Yeah. You know, oh boy, I'm going to make a lot of money doing this. Oh yeah. And then I quickly realized, ah, you're not making a whole no. lot of money if not any. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't you love to see what your hourly rate wage is back in the day? Like what you made per hour? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's probably below $10. Yeah. Maybe even lower than five. I think I was working for free. Well, yeah. 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 Sometimes I still work for free. Before. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it is. But you know what? I mean, there's a bigger picture. Like you Correct. said, behind this, there's a, it's a, it's a selfless act yeah and it's it's not for everybody it's not it's for the faint heart it's for people that want to work 18 hour days it's for people that are willing to get rejected it's for people that look at the bank account and say snap why am i still making a hundred bucks a week right now you know i'm putting i'm investing all this time and effort and everybody that works for me is getting rich but not me right and you know what's funny is and when you talk about business isn't for everyone well, I think deep down, all the people that open up business or entrepreneurs, deep down have something they feel like they have to prove to people. Yeah. And, you know, knowing your past and what you've done in the past and some of your struggles, I feel mm -hmm. like that is what's kind of motivated you to continue to push and try to push the boundaries a little bit because you have something to prove. Um, very similar with me. I have something I feel like I always have to prove every day to mm -hmm. at least to myself or people in the past that have doubted me and said I wouldn't be able to do it. So I think that kind of deep down is ingrained in us and that's what is kind of like the motor and that really keeps us going every day is we feel like we have something to prove. And, and, I, and I'm so with you right now, right? I got, I got chills on my left yeah. arm with us talking about this because, Ryan, I mean, let's be honest. I, I agree with you. Yeah. That's, that's almost 100% of why I oh, do yeah. what I do. And that's one of the things that people can't take from us. And that's also something that will, will, will not allow us to fail. Because yeah. we know deep down, there's nothing that can stop us yeah. when we have that motor that you're referring to. Mm -hmm. We have something to prove. It's not a monetary. No, it's uh, not. And that's, and that's the weird thing is that, you know, nowadays it's everyone cares about how much money they're being paid or the raise. And to us, it's just about, are we growing? Mm -hmm. Are we doing the right things? Are we, are we building the business the way that we envisioned it? Right. And yeah, then, and, and to us, it, it's not about the money. And, mm -hmm. and it's so weird that you get into a business and you're willing to do, we're willing to live with those sacrifices that you have to make. And then it's, it's really nothing. It's has nothing to do with money. Nothing, nothing. No. And uh, Ryan, you know, I'm a really big believer, um, that if you, or looking after others, if you are genuinely coming from your heart to really improve, inspire, and, correct, and, and and help others, then the money is just a byproduct of correct. you doing that. Yeah, it might not be a million bucks. Yeah, it might not be five yeah. million bucks, but it's going to be enough money that'll allow you to wake up in the morning and start your car and get to work again. Amen. Yeah. 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 So let's let's go ahead and flip the script. Ryan Ibarra again. This is with back-to-back uh, -back sports. Complex. Complex, and uh, he's located on District... No, 3501 North Select. I apologize. He's located on 
North Select, yep. 3501 North Select, uh, right out by the Bakersfield Heart Hospital if you guys are looking for him. So let's go ahead and switch gears with Ryan Ibarra. So now uh, now, now that we have a 40, I'm sorry, 30,000 square foot facility that you work out of, tell me this, when you first started, how much money did you have to start the, uh, the whole business with and why did you start? Why did you get into CrossFit just, just to begin? Okay, so let's go back to how it all started. Yeah. Because I think that's where the uniqueness is. So I was, so I, you know, I played football in high school and college. Um, was an average football player. Right when I got done, I started coaching in high school. I was like 21 years old. I started coaching in a high school football. Um, coached there for about three years, and then I coached two years at Bakersfield College. Um, those five years were great experience. Learned a lot. Got to meet a lot of unique people. Coach people that were younger, older than me. Coach guys that were, you know, in Iraq fighting wars, and here I was yelling at them. That was a big growing or a big uh, realization to me that maybe I don't know it all type of right, deal, and yeah. people have more life experience than me. So it's my second year coaching at BC, and I'm going out with a friend. I was working in the current high school district, and I had another side job. I'm going out with a friend, and we're leaving the Padre Hotel, and we're driving right by BHS. And cop pulls us over mm. and obviously I was drinking mm-hmm. um, does a whole sobriety test I get booked that night on a DUI and if you guys know it I lost my mom to alcoholism yeah. right so there was a lot of self-reflecting happening in there at that time of okay where do I want to take my life and what the hell am I doing with it mm-hmm. um, and mind so, you I mean you basically watched your mom drink herself to death yeah we did yeah, yeah we did um but at the same time, I had four of my best years of my life with my mom. Yeah, of course. Um, so she's still, and when we talked about that proved something wrong, I feel like I'm always still trying to prove something to her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's kind of, if you really want to get down, that's what's really at the bottom layer of me and doing what I do is really it's her. She's kind of like the main pillar. It's like she's still watching you. She's still that. watching me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I get the DUI and I'm, I get booked. Anyways, I lose my job. And I'm only working at the current high school district. I had another side job where I was making pretty good money driving around. So I lost that job and I needed another job. And so I was kind of a gym guy. I was always kind of at body exchange and I go into body exchange and I was like, hey, um, I wanna get a job interview to be a personal trainer. I have no um, certificates. I had no personal training history. I've never taken any you know, classes or courses on it. I get the interview and I pretty much tell him that your trainers are not very good. Mm -hmm. And if you go in there back in the day, they're always on the phone. They're telling people to do texting on their phone. They weren't very hands-on that day. They hired me right away after I told him that after you told the, the, the manager that his employees didn't know what the hell they were doing. I got hired right away. You got hired right away. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Um, what happened next? uh, So, um, (laughs) Within like the first two months, I was making sales around eight to ten thousand dollars a month in personal training sales. I was working probably ten to twelve hours a day training back to back to back. Um, within five months, they made me a fitness manager, and then my first month of being a fitness manager, I sold thirty thousand dollars in personal training. Wow! Yeah, guess how much they took? Mm, I don't know. Twenty-seven thousand dollars of it. So you made. You, they basically paid you three grand yep. and they kept 27 That was three grand that I made later after coaching 
So I got so I sold them thirty thousand dollars, but then I had to work each individual session. I got paid twenty dollars for oh. out of that thirty grand. Got it. So it, you know, it took two months for me to really get that three grand. Sure. Um. So so you you played the numbers game. Yeah, it just didn't make sense. It so didn't make I sense. I met with them. And their personal training was kind of taking a dump at that time. And I go, hey, we need to go into group training. You have, we have to get into what CrossFit gyms are doing in these boot camps because that's where it's going. The, the fitness industry is going to group training. Mm-hmm. No one wants to work out alone anymore. They want to work out with people. They want to create a community. Um, so they were all in on it. I made a huge presentation, showed them how much money they could possibly make. They're a game for it. So the day came to where we were supposed to order the equipment and we were supposed to start launching this new program. I called them up. I said, hey, did we do we do any orders? Is anything done? They said, no, we didn't do it yet. Hung up the phone. I quit that day. Mm-hmm, nice. Okay. I quit that day. I called up my friend who I think a lot of people know now, not for a good reason, but it was Logan August mm-hmm. who owned Casey CrossFit and he just got in that little issue with the sheriff's office and the drugs and all that stuff. As much as people are quick to bash him, I grew up with him. I love that guy to death. I'd be there if he ever needed me. People make mistakes. He just made a really bad one. But hopefully everything works out for him. He gave me an opportunity to go there and start training at his gym. Um, But once again, I kind of made another bad business move. Um, And I gave up too much percentage of my, what I was bringing in to him. So we made a deal where I was giving him X amount of percentage and it ended up being, I was giving him like $5,000 a month. Mm. And I was there for about three months, four months. And I was training, making good money, but also, you know, when you're hustling that much and you're writing someone a check that big, it hurts, right? Cause you're the one there that's there from four in the morning till nine o'clock at course, night. Yeah. And it's just, it didn't, yeah. it didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So, we're going around and we're getting, um, we're trying to find a new place to train. So I'm taking all my clients to all these different places to train and I'm sitting there one day and I'm just, I'm training my client and he was like, hey, come outside with me. I goes outside and he goes, what do you really want to do with your life? I go, I've always wanted to open up a CrossFit gym. I've always wanted it. I started really falling in love with CrossFit. I was like, I've always wanted to open up a CrossFit gym. He goes, okay. He goes into his truck gives me a check, writes it out for $15,000, hands it to me and says, you don't owe me anything. I just want you to stop working for people. Wow. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Okay. So what'd you do with that 15 grand? I, this that, is where it gets good guys. So pay that attention. That 15 grand, I went and met with someone that night and I ordered $15,000 in equipment. So within a matter of hours. I spent the 15 grand. You spent all 15 grand yep. on equipment. Did you have a location? Nope. So and you, had no location. Okay, so you had no location, None. but you just blew 15 grand yep. on equipment, not knowing where you're going to put the equipment. I knew it was going to work out. But you knew it was going to work yeah. out. And why did you know it was going to work out? Because I was going to make it work. You were going to make it work. I was going to make it work. Is it that motor that's it inside was just, of us it was just, It was that, it was just like getting that extra boost that you needed yeah. to know that I can do this. right? And someone believed in you. Um, and so after that, we went to all of our personal, all my clients. I had, a, I had like 15, 20 clients. And I asked each of them for $2,000. And obviously they would never have to pay with me again, but I asked each of them for $2,000. I think 80% of them gave me two grand on top of that. So that's how the money started, was 15 grand, some money from my dad, and then the money from my other clients. 
Interesting. So godly. So and then, so fifteen grand blew it. Blew it. No location. Uh, how quickly were you up and running with back to back CrossFit? So we were. Um, so it's funny now. So finding a location was difficult because I think location is key. Mm-hmm. You have to be in a position where you're centered, where multiple people can reach you from different times. Ta- parts of town sure similar to how you guys moved off of truxton it's it's the accessibility is a lot better yeah correct um so we were looking at a place off of lanco and remind you i had fifteen thousand dollars in equipment but i was sold on this building i said if i don't get this building i'm not opening a gym i just knew i had to get this building yeah um and fortunately i think three months down the road we ended up getting the building hmm. um but the equipment didn't come in yet. Yeah, imagine that because yeah. it was coming from like China. Okay. So I got it kind of at a good rate, but it was coming from China. On a boat. On a boat. Right. And the second week in, as we're getting ready to open, we did not have any equipment. But it gets better. Equipment comes in, right? I'm now my first week into um, opening the gym. My first week into opening the gym. And imagine I got that DUI three, two years ago, three years ago in the sure. past. Yep. I'm going to be totally transparent. I never took care of my steps. So I was supposed to go to steps and do all the sobriety Which is the, classes. the leg work after you get a DUI. You got to yeah. pl- go for steps, right? Yeah. It costs money yep. and time. So imagine when I got the DUI, I took one year of fighting it because I was in college. I didn't want to lose my driver's license. Sure, yeah. So my attorney fought it for a year. And then the two years, I just didn't take care of business. And mm-hmm. it was a, you know, a food bar on my end. So first week of opening the business, I'm like, okay, I gotta go get my steps. I need to go get done with those courses because I need to start being able to comfortably drive again. You wanna be legit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I go to court, I'm gonna go and get my classes. I'm excited, okay, let's get this done. I think I only had like three classes left. I give him my paper, I go up in front of the judge. The judge says, You've had two years to take care of this. You're going to jail for 30 days right oh, now. Shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine this. being in the courthouse. You just opened up a business, and now you're getting arrested. Okay. So you got arrested. Got arrested how that many, day. How many days were you actually locked up? 15 days. Okay. So we did two weeks with a brand new gym that was open. Nobody running it. No one running. Oh, my girlfriend at the time took over it, and my other coach took over it. Okay. Yeah. I'm but sure. I was no, I was nowhere to be in. What was your gut telling when, you, when they slapped the cuffs on you? You were like, fuck. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, it's yeah. got real. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you got out. Yeah. But the 15 days in jail is a whole other story, though, too. We can kind of get into it. Yeah, let's talk about that. So when I when I went to jail, Matt, I don't understand. I didn't understand the jail, like how it works. I didn't know you had to run with people. Yeah. Right. So I go into jail, and me coming from my background, I, blacks, whites, Mexicans are all the same to me. I didn't know you had to run with people. I guess I didn't watch enough prison shows on TV that you got to pick a side. So I go into jail the first day and a few Mexicans come up to me and they're like, hey, who do you run with? And I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. Whites come up to me, who you run with? I'm good. Blacks didn't even come up to me, obviously. They're talking about like what gang you're What gang you're running with, right? Who you going to run with in here? So I'm like, what am I doing? I go, I'm putting water on my face. First night in jail, it's 12 o'clock or nine o'clock at night. I turn around, so we're in like barracks, right? So there's like 60 people in that little place. Uh-huh. I turn around and the whole barracks is in front of me, all 60 guys. And they're like, hey, homie, this is not how this shit runs here. You got to pick a side. What's your daddy's name? What's your mama's name? 
And they're like, you run with the whites. I was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I'm in. All right, here we go. I'm with the whites. So, so you ran as a white guy for I ran as a white days. guy, yeah. Right? What was your name as a white guy? I, I don't know. Okay. I just kept it as Ryan. Was it no. really Tom? Thomas no, no, it was just, I was just, I was, for the first three days, I stayed in bed. Oh, I bet. I stayed in bed, yeah. Um, but you know what's crazy? And I tell people this all the time. I was never, I, the belief in CrossFit was something that didn't become stronger until I was in jail. And it's going to sound stupid and it's going to sound funny, but it's true. So the fourth day in, I'm like, man, I need to do something. All right. So I'm like, okay, let me do like a little CrossFit workout, body weight workout where I'm going to do like 200 air squats, 200 push ups, 200 sit ups. I'm just going to do it. So I'm going outside and I'm just in the corner doing it by myself. Right. Well, people start watching. I'm like, what in the heck is he doing? So a few of the white, like two of the white guys came in and like, Hey, can we jump in? I'm like, sure. We can jump in by the 12th or 13th day. Right before I got out, I had the Mexicans and the whites working out together. Shut up. I swear. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. And before you knew it, they were all kind of on, they were, cause you had your sides. You had one side that was Hispanics and the blacks and the whites took the other side. By the end, when I left, we were on both sides. Everyone was mixed up. Everyone was mixed up. Everyone was hanging out with each other. How Everyone many was watching. Were there? there was about sixty in there. Shut up. It was crazy. I've never, I've never became a more firm believer of community and what fitness and community can do than that day in jail. And people can judge me all they want. Yeah. But if you can do it in jail, you can do it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and it was amazing. No segregation at all. It was amazing. Wow. So I'm in jail. I get out. It's now my what? what second third month in in the business i was short on rent mm -hmm. about six hundred dollars and i needed to buy equipment so the only thing that i had as collateral at that time was my car so i sold my car right and had a ride had to find rides to and from work um so i sold my car my third month in and that paid our rent and that paid for some equipment that I needed. After that, I never had asked for another dollar from someone. Good for you, bro. Yeah. And so you really stuck your neck out there knowing, again, that I'm going to make this shit work. Yeah. And you put your own vehicle on the line, bumming rides from other people. Correct. That's the type of sacrifice that you had to go through yeah. in order to get where you're at now. Yeah. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Now yeah. it's, that's the third month in. So let me ask you this. Three months, six months into the business, Brian, were you making uh, a ton of dough in the beginning? No, everything went back into the business. Okay, so how much money were you making, say, on the sixth month of owning back-to-back uh, -back CrossFit? Like revenue? Yeah. 9000 So you're making 9000 a month? Maybe. How much were you keeping? None. <laughs> right. Had to go back. Yeah. Right? You, we were in a position where we had to invest back into the gym to stay competitive mm -hmm. um, because there was I was already going against a bunch of gyms that have been around for a while and I had maybe 25% of the equipment that I needed to really run a successful gym sure um, and I had members leave me at the beginning because I didn't have certain equipment pieces imagine being in that position right you don't mm -hmm. have any money and people are leaving you because this gym has more equipment than you oh yeah that kept with that deeply motivated me and it still motivates me now is those members that left because of that mm -hmm. if you go to my gym there's i have the i have the most equipment in town knowing that Bec if they do come back they're gonna say oh shit he really because of that that yeah, yeah. that still haunts me that's something yeah. that's one of the little another pillar prove someone wrong yeah. right mm -hmm. it's 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 still there it's ingrained yeah 
Um, yeah, so about six months in, we're making what anywhere from eight to nine thousand dollars, and then I'm bringing on my first full time coach. Okay, All right, and so now I have the obligation to have to make his life at least work. Now sure. I have to at least pay him a wage that's going to keep him around with me. Because you're not just responsible for him, but you're responsible for his wife, his kids. His at lifestyle. the time, at the time, he, he just had a girlfriend. Now he has a wife and kids, and sure. he, you know, he went into firefighting, which is really good. Um, but yeah, I had to take care of him, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so we grew and then we moved into our second location. Um, I think around 10 or 11 months in, Okay. 10 or 11 months in, and then we did a little bit better. We got up to around $12,000 was our revenue. And how many coaches and uh, staff members then? I want to say I had about five. Okay. So and we went from one or one two, to two I'm sorry, to five, to five upgraded by a thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And members went up from anywhere from 80 to about 120. 80 to 120. Mm -hmm. So the growth, uh, of the expansion of your business started growing along with staff. And you said you were, you were, uh, the revenue was about 12 grand. Correct. So, so the revenue is actually shrinking as you were growing, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, no. The, the, yeah, the revenue, we went I mean, from about I guess eight. the percentage of revenue... Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So it got yeah. a little tight. It, it got, got little definitely tighter. got tighter there. And then towards yeah. the end of that second location, we we're making anywhere from about 13 to 15 grand, which is what a normal CrossFit gym mm -hmm. in Bakersfield's going to make simply because the market doesn't let you pay a lot. You can't charge a lot here. Mm -hmm. Brian, I, I apologize. Did, does, did anybody coach you about this? Did you have anybody to None. mentor with anybody that does has owns a CrossFit gym? No. So all of this was based off trial and error. Yes. And your yeah. own yeah thought process and, and just looking at numbers and and one of the things i told you about this and and i told you earlier when we we're talking in in my business and the thing that has made me kind of grow as fast as i have i've been able to is i've been able to roll the dice yeah and if i made a mistake i can always go back and that's one thing that if i my gut tells me that day to do something mm -hmm. i do it so, i very second i very think about i I barely ever second guess my decisions. Let, let me ask you this. Do you trust your gut or what's happening in your head? My gut. Yeah, hundred percent. So real quick, let me just uh, stop there for a minute. But if you listen to what, what Ryan's saying right now, guys, is that, and we talked about this earlier, is I asked him, do you think success loves speed? He says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, there's two types of people. There's the people that trust their gut and just run with it. Or there's the people that have a thought process that they have to go through where they start negotiating with what they're thinking about doing, where yep. uh, they start questioning. They, and before you know it, it's taken too long. And guys, he's so right because I, I'm a big, big believer on trusting my gut. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. Sometimes I made the wrong decision, but that the wrong decision, like you said, you, you can, can fix correct. it. You can fix you it. You can fix it, but you can't ever fix something that you never started. Correct. So therefore, the successless speed, meaning action is superior to the thought process action is superior to anything else because you have to take action learn from the action chronicle yep. it fix it and then move forward again yeah right that's that's exactly right i think i think mistakes and failures are great in business because mm -hmm. it makes you adapt and it makes you have to learn i can i i've made thousands of mistakes and you learn from and every I failed single one of them so many times in this mm -hmm. business um I've had those nights, and I think you've had those nights where we sat there in, in our house or in the corner of a room crying because we didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Right? I didn't know if I was going to be able to pay the bill. I didn't know if my pg &E was going to be paid. I didn't know if rent was going to be paid. I didn't know if I was going to be able to eat that day or tomorrow. Yeah. Right? And, and the struggle gets there. And it's, 
and if anyone's looking at to open a business, there is so many positives in opening a business. There's so many gratifications in opening a business, but just be ready that shit is rocky mm-hmm. and shit is not fun at times. But you have to have hope and you have to find your why mm-hmm. of why you're doing this or like what's deep down inside you that's making you that that's burning gonna push desire. you. Yeah, that's gonna push you through those yeah. those uh moments of triumph. Mm-hmm. Um one of the biggest things that has kind of kept me going throughout all these years is and you know, like I've told you in the past, was the passing of my mom and and my brother, you know having an addiction as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt like I was that close to following down that road. Um, I've caught myself in times where my addictive personality is starting to come out mm-hmm. and I can f- I can see myself becoming what they had become really quick. Yeah, And yeah. I think that's kind of deep down what's kind of kept me going was I don't wanna be like them or end up in situations that they were in. So we'll go besides that. Yeah. So now I'm at the second location. I'm making, you know, I'm making okay money. I'm actually making a somewhat of a living. I'm paying myself out. Yeah. I have my own apartment now. I have a, I have a car. It's two years into it. Congratulations. Now. I have a car. And um, I, I, had a, I had two full-time coaches now. And I couldn't afford them. I couldn't afford to have my living and to take care of them. So a few things came into my head. A, let's open up a second location. Or B, let's expand this current location to something bigger. I was always saying, okay, let's open up a second location. So I'm driving to work one morning and something tells me to go look at this building that I saw on LoopNet, mm-hmm. right? Something was like, go look at this building. Just go do a drive-by. Just go do a drive-by. Yeah. I go and drive by the building and it's wide open. All the bay doors are open. And I walk into it and it's a 40,000 square foot facility. And within three minutes, I knew exactly where we needed to take back to back. It was in, it was, we had to grow this way. I took all my coaches that morning after class to that building and said, we will be in here in one year. You probably called them immediately when you walked out. I, as I was driving, I called two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I took pictures, sent them pictures. You were excited. Oh, I was fired up. I, it just hit me. I knew what I had to do. Um, and so within that feeling though, when when you you start using your vision to to kind of, uh, get that. Oh, it's, it's it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I was calling, texting. Uh, it was it was bad. Yeah. Um, so the next thing was finding money, and and it, here's where business and and growth all becomes kind of confusion for people that are as eager as me and trust their gut and sometimes make mistakes. Um, so for me to grow back to back, obviously I needed X amount of dollars, and it was a significant amount to me for what we were bringing in and, and where we wanted to take it. And, and I was really eager to get there and cause I knew it was the right move. And just to be honest, if anyone's looking at doing business or looking at, you know, growing, if they have an opportunity to grow and someone has a deal and it's not the right deal, don't take it. If there's a deal today, there'll be a deal tomorrow. That's better. 